We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Take your Bible, turn to the book of Joel chapter 2, reading two verses of scripture this morning and we're continuing to talk about the power of God, walking it out in our daily lives. The prophet wrote it this way in Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29. You'll also find this same scripture recorded in Acts chapter 2 when Peter stood on the day of Pentecost and preached about what they were experiencing in Jerusalem that day. And it shall come to pass afterward. I will pour my spirit out on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Father, we know you are here. Holy Spirit, you have come. Would you right now prove to every person in this room that you are the way maker? Those filled with doubt, those filled with fear, those filled with uncertainty. Those questioning and wondering, is this God stuff for real? Prove to them this morning that you are the way maker. Reach them today with the power of the Spirit of God. Change hearts, transform lives, challenge believers to be what you've called us to be. We ask it in your name. You may be seated. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you filled with the Spirit? Is Holy Spirit in you today? We started this thought last week and everybody loved that Gatorade illustration. I'm not doing it again. So you need to go back and watch it at chctoday.com if you weren't here. But I want you to understand, Holy Spirit lives in you and I. From the moment of our conversion or salvation, He dwells in us. He witnesses Jesus to us. And then he gives us the opportunity to be filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit, as we see in Acts chapter 2. This is what Joel is prophesying about in this passage of Scripture. Unfortunately, many in today's modern church, especially Western Christianity, let me put it that way, don't acknowledge Holy Spirit, don't live a life that's empowered by Him, don't even recognize the need to be in that place. Too many times today, Holy Spirit has become a taboo topic in the church. We'd rather talk about a myriad of other things rather than the power of God living, residing, and working in us. We'd rather talk about the sound or the lights or the temperature or the sermons too long. You see, we've become consumer-driven rather than being driven by the power of the living God. Today in the Western church, convenience replaces service. I'll come when it fits. I'll come if my schedule allows. I'll be involved when I can. Convenience replaces service. In the Western church, pleasure replaces sacrifice. We ignore the fact that the Apostle Paul called us to give our bodies and to live our lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. In today's church, consumerism replaces obedience. If it pleases me, if I like it, if it touches the right chord in my mind or in my heart, then I may come back. Can I tell you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, all that becomes peripheral. He becomes central and Jesus Christ becomes king. And the only thing that matters is doing what pleases Jesus Christ. 
The Western church has substituted Holy Spirit for cappuccino machines and movie screens. Nothing wrong with either of those. Matter of fact, I love cappuccino. I like my coffee black, but every now and then I like a cappuccino because it's just like my wife, blonde and hot. Good stuff. Good stuff. It's okay for me to say that. She's my wife. If that offends you, then you need some Holy Spirit in you. Amen. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself. Would somebody say amen? I love cappuccino, blonde and hot, just like my wife. I may say that again every Sunday. You never know. See, the church is becoming a place we're more interested in being entertained than we are encountering the presence of the living God. But you can be entertained sitting on your couch at home watching a movie. It's the encounter with God that we desperately need. It's coming into the place where we recognize we serve a holy creator who has endued us with power if we'll simply open our heart and allow him to do what he wants to do in us and through us. Holy Spirit is the true power behind the genuine church of Jesus Christ. He was promised by God, and the promise by Jesus was he would come with power to make you witnesses unto me. So on the day of Pentecost, Peter stood and he began to proclaim, Joel 2.28, this is that, he said, which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And then he quoted the two scriptures that we just read as our text this morning. You know what I find most amazing in this whole picture? When I turn to Acts chapter 2 and I read about the day of Pentecost, you know what I find most amazing? Not that God did what he said. God always does what he says. You need to remember that. God always fulfills his promises. He always does what he says. It's not that God did what he said. What amazes me is who God chose to do it through. Have you ever thought about that? There are 120 people in that upper room, the scripture tells us. There are 11 other disciples in that upper room, or excuse me, 10 other disciples in that other room. Not a one of those other people denied Jesus Christ. Not a one of them cursed his name. Isn't it amazing that God chose the greatest failure, the biggest washout, the guy that blew it for all time to deliver the message that started the church of Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing, listen to me, isn't it amazing that God chose to draw us a picture through the life of Peter to tell us your past, when you take it to the cross, when it's buried under the blood of Jesus Christ, it just doesn't matter anymore. Oh, come on, some of you are living not full of the Holy Spirit because you're hanging on to your past. You constantly remember and recite all the things that you've done wrong, the failures that you've walked through. You can never be worthy enough. And I've got news for you. You never will be worthy enough. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are. You are. I'm amazed that he chose Peter. The guy that denied him. The guy that pulled out the sword and cut off the servant's ear. The guy went on the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, let's be, build three temples to remember this moment. The guy who never got it. He was always on the slow bus when it came to spiritual things. He just didn't get it. And then he failed big time. He messed up. God chose Peter. 
Because he wanted you and I to see it doesn't matter where you've walked, where you've been, what you've done. You are not overlooked by God. You are not useless to the kingdom of God. The God we serve through a thing called redemption, grace, and mercy is able to pick you up, restore you, renew you, fill you with Holy Spirit, and set your feet on the right path. Everybody have a rearview mirror in your car? We actually have three. We have one that hangs on the windshield, two on the sides, right? And those are great to seeing where you have been and what's behind you. But if you spend all your time driving down I-10 at 80 miles an hour, looking in the rearview mirrors, what's going to happen? You're going to crash and burn. You're not going to get to your destination. Why do I say that? I say that because some of you in this room need to recognize when you're filled with Holy Spirit, He changes your vision from what's behind you to what's ahead of you. He lets you look forward to all that God has in store for you. He lets you see the destiny and the plan that God has carefully laid out for your life so that you can run towards it and embrace what God wants for you. Why do we need the power of God? So we can fulfill our destiny. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this. You can't saw sawdust. You can't saw sawdust. And that's what you're doing. You're trying to pick up those, those pieces of what once was and somehow put it back together to make a life. Stop it. Cut it out. Move forward in God because the power of the Holy Spirit enables you to get past the past. To break that shackle, to break that bondage and move into where God wants you to be. We need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in the power of God so that we overcome judgmental attitudes that are normal to every one of us. Oh, I love the way you're shouting now. Just wait, it's going to get better. <laughs> judgmental attitudes. What did Jesus say in John, or Matthew chapter 7? He said, it would be better if you took the log out of your eye before you took the speck out of your brother's eye. Judgmental attitudes is what he was talking about. Acts chapter 10, the entire chapter is devoted to judgmental attitudes. Peter was on the rooftop in Joppa. God gave him a vision of all types of animals and said, rise, kill and eat. And Peter said, oh no, those are unclean. I'm not touching them. I'm devout. I'm a Jew. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't defile myself. Three times it happened. And then there's a knock on the door and a messenger says, Cornelius wants you to come down to his house and tell him about Jesus. Who was Cornelius? He was a Gentile. Do you understand what the story is saying? To this point in church history, only Jews had came to know Jesus as their Savior. But now God is saying this gospel, this message is to all the world. To every nation, every tongue, every race, every creed, every man, woman, boy, and girl. What did Peter say in Acts chapter 2? He said, the promise is to you, to your children, to all them that are afar off, even to as many as the Lord your God shall call. And when that knock on the door came, because of that vision, because God had dealt with his judgmental attitude, Peter got up and went. He wouldn't have done that previously until God dealt with his attitude, but he got up and went. 
And when he went, he started talking to them about Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 10, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and began speaking in other tongues. And then Peter, it's like, oh, the light bulb comes on. He says, how can we deny these baptism since they were filled with the Holy Spirit just like we are? Judgmental attitudes destroyed and broken down. Do we have them today? Are you kidding me? Are you breathing today? Of course we do. You know, the biggest controversy raging now in the church is Kanye West really saved. Is that really what you want to talk about? Is that really your concern? Maybe you ought to ask, am I really saved? Oh, I love the way you're shouting now. I don't know. I don't know the man. I've never listened to a note of his music, and I probably never will, because it's not my style. But... If he's pointing people to Jesus, I'm going to say, go for it. Anointing on you. God, use him. Open the doors and bring revival. Is Lamar Odom really saved? I don't know. I don't know him. I've never met him. He's a good basketball player. The best sixth man in NBA history in 2009 and 10. I don't know, but he says he is. I'm going to say, God, bless him. God, use him. Give him an audience. Pour it on him. Magic Johnson said that he was resigning as president of basketball operations for the Lakers so he could spend more time serving in his church. You know what church that is? Angelus Temple. Church of God in Christ. A Holy Ghost Pentecostal church. He said, I'm tired of giving my life to something that really doesn't matter. I want to invest it in something that does. Is he for real? I don't know. I don't know him. But I'm going to say, God, bless him. Pour your spirit out. Do you hear what I'm saying? Stop your stinking judgmental attitudes. Because you think they ain't doing it the way it ought to be done. Because you think it's not according to my form and formula. Read Mark chapter 9. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, there were some guys casting out demons in your name. We told them to cease and desist. Cut it out. Because they're not with us. What did Jesus say? He said, hey, if they're not against us, they're for us. Would somebody catch it today? Stop being judgmental. If they're not against us, they're for us. If they're speaking the name that's above every name, give God honor, give God glory, give God praise, and let God sort out the rest. Stop being judge and jury. I hope God saves every rap singer. I hope God saves every basketball player. I hope God sends revival to Hollywood and washes out the trash and brings in righteousness and holiness and right living to individuals that don't know him. Oh, come on, somebody. Stop being judgmental because of what you don't understand or because God is doing something you've never experienced. We need the power of God to break down and destroy judgmental attitudes. We need the power of God to help us overcome unforgiveness. Because we carry it. We harbor it. We remember it. We set up little idols to it. We pay homage to it. Every time somebody says something that offends us or ticks us off, we go right back to that spot. Yeah, it's happened to me before. It's the way those people are. They're going to lie on you. 
They're going to abuse you. They're going to take advantage of you. The way those people are. We go right back to that spot where we never allowed forgiveness to flow from our lives. For some of you, it's a dad or a mom that's abused you, mistreated you. They ought to be locked up. And I know that's right. I'm not arguing that for a moment. But what I am saying is if you ever want to be whole, if you ever want to be healed, if you ever want to be used of God the way God wants to use you, you've got to forgive them. You've got to let it go. You've got to put it under the blood. You see, because you can't hold someone else's sin accountable to them. Are you ready for this? And expect God to forgive you of your sin. That's a principle. You need to let it go. You need to turn it loose. Listen, I'm telling you, if you're walking in shooting leather and breathing earth's atmosphere, you will have opportunities to be offended every single day of your life. You must determine that's not going to phase me. That's not going to hurt me. I'm not going to allow that to destroy my relationship with God and steal from me what God has given to me. I will not be bitter. I will not become critical. I will not condemn someone because of what they said or what they did. I choose to forgive them. I, I know it's a hard thing to do. Believe me, I know how difficult it is. It's probably the hardest thing you have to do as a believer and as a human being. Choose to forgive someone that's offended you, that's hurt you, that's wounded you. But you yourself will never be whole until you do. Until you release that into the hand of God. And let God do it in you and through you. What did Peter say? Here's Peter again. It never ends, does it? He said to Jesus, so in this forgiveness business, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? You ever wondered that? This is getting too frequent, too familiar. I'm really tired of walking this road. That was Peter. How many times do I have to forgive my brother who offends me? How about seven times a day? Because that's what the law said. But Jesus said, no, Peter, it's not seven times a day. But try 70 times seven times a day. You know what he was really saying? He was saying as often as that knucklehead ticks you off, makes you mad, hurts you, runs you over with a bus, you need to forgive him. As often as needed, forgive him. You see, we need to walk in the power of God because it releases the forgiveness of Jesus Christ to flow through our lives. When we're filled with Holy Spirit, He releases within us a knowledge, a grace, an ability to forgive those that wound us and hurt us. It enables us to rise to a higher level in Him. We need to walk in the power of God because we need to be free from emotional distress. Depression, oppression, discouragement, disgruntlement, name it, it's there, it's in our society. Thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people suffer from emotional distress of one kind or another. And it's not new, it's woven throughout the Bible. The prophet Elijah, you remember that dude? He was God's prophet when Ahab was the king and Jezebel was the queen. And he prophesied God's judgment over Israel, there would be a drought. Well, if you're going to live in Israel and you prophesy there's going to be a drought, you're probably going to be affected by it, right? Yeah. 
So God said to him, you go to the brook Cherith, you hide out there because if Ahab finds you, he'll kill you. So he went to the brook Cherith, he hid out there. He drank from the brook every day. The ravens brought him food every day. His life was grand. He said what he wanted, then he went into hiding. Sometimes that's the way I feel about Sunday morning. I'm going to say what God gives me, then I'm going to find a place to hide. Not really. I'm willing to look you square in the eye and tell you the truth every Sunday. You want to know exactly why 70% of those people on Facebook and social media are watching those sermons? Because men are looking for men. They are sick and tired of the feminization of the church of Jesus Christ. We don't need any more weak-kneed, panty-waist preachers in the world. We need some men who will stand up and be men in the church of Jesus Christ. We need pastors who will stand up and be men. Depression, oppression, disgruntlement, discouragement, disenfranchisement, all emotional distress. So Elijah went and he sat by the brook chair. Life was grand. He was safe. Nobody was bothering him. They didn't know where he was at. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says, the brook dried up. Now, I can almost think like of Elisha. God's put me here. God's going to keep me here. I can stay here until the drought is over. There are no more worries in my life. I'm going to sit right here. God's going to feed me. I'll have plenty to drink. I'm all good. And then... The drought he prophesied affected him as well. The brook dried up. And then God said to him, you got to leave this place. I've got a widow ready for you, and she's going to take care of you, so go on down and find her. And when he found her, she was gathering some sticks to make a fire. And he said to her, would you make me a cake, a meal, so I can eat? She said, I just have enough left flour and oil, to make one small cake for my son and I. We're going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Because there's nothing else in the house. Listen to me. This is something every person needs to hear. Your need can be the source of someone else's miracle. Your need can be the source of someone else's miracle. He said, I'm hungry. I need something to eat. Make me a cake. And she said, all I've got is enough for one, for me and my son, we're going to eat it, then we're going to die. But what did he say? He said, if you'll make me a cake first, the oil in your vat, the meal in your barrel will not run out until this drought ends. Come on, your need can be the means to someone's miracle. Your need can be the means to someone's miracle. Do you understand that when you pray for somebody and God heals them, they see God moving through your life? There may be a need in your life. God uses you to help them. He's going to use someone else to help you as well. Why am I saying all that? I'm saying it because when you're in a place of emotional distress, don't keep quiet. Tell somebody, I've got a need. I'm hurting. I need some help. Because it just could be that your need becomes a source for their miracle. When Zach presented the lights this morning, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, God, this is great stuff. Because our need becomes a source of someone else's miracle. You see, I believe that when we give, it's given back to us, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into our bosom. I'm saying the need can be the source of your miracle. 
Is someone feeling this this morning? The need can be the source of your miracle if you'll get outside of yourself, hear the voice of God, take a step of faith, and do something for somebody that changes you. You know what it says in Job chapter 42? It says, when Job prayed for his friends, God healed him. Their need became the source of his miracle. We need to live and walk in the power of God. Because folks all around us have needs that need to see the power of Jesus Christ. You have needs in your life, and you need to see the power of Jesus Christ moving and working through you. Your need can be the source of someone's miracle. You've got a whole outline in your bulletin. I'm not going to preach that. I put those together. You take a moment. You should study it. Reflect on it. Consider what is God saying to me. But when I came this morning, I came to challenge you to understand and to recognize we need to walk in the power of God to overcome our past and to let it go. We need to walk in the power of God so we can walk and live in forgiveness, not unforgiveness. We need to walk in the power of God so that we can see God can overcome judgmentalism, overcome emotional oppression in and through our lives. There's no doubt in my mind that every person in this room, myself included, Needs a fresh infilling of Holy Spirit. Because I don't know about you, but every single day of my life, I face people that make me madder than you can believe. <laughs> Bite a nail, man. But I can choose to respond in anger, or I can choose to bite my tongue and try to show them the grace of God. Doesn't always work. Sometimes I want to show them the right fist of fellowship. Doesn't always work. But it's what we have to try to do. Not a doubt in my mind that every day we live, we see something we can be judgmental towards. It's not the way we do it. Not the way church is supposed to be. It's not my perception of what God will do in somebody's life. Every day we live, we have opportunities to forgive someone. Forgive someone. Every day we live, we struggle with emotional issues. We're up, we're down. We're up, we're down. God wants to make us stable through the power of the Spirit of God. Every day we live, the devil wants to remind us what's in the rearview mirror. But when we're filled with the power of God, all we can see is what's out there. What's in front of us. We are not failures, we are more than conquerors. Through Jesus Christ. Stand with me this morning, please, across this room. Tom, come back. I want us to sing that song one more time. It says, Waymaker. He is the Waymaker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. He's the God who can do for you what no one else can do. So as you're standing this morning, I want to ask you very quickly, would you happen to be here? And I know you are. I know you are. This isn't a rhetorical question. You need to respond. You're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, to be your Lord and Savior. That's you. We don't bow our heads and close our eyes because coming to Christ isn't something to be ashamed of, it's something to celebrate. Matter of fact, when Kanye West came to Christ, do you know what happened? The angels in heaven threw a party. When Lamar Odom came to Christ, you know what happened? The angels in heaven threw a party. It was the church that was griping and moaning and groaning and complaining. Oh, come on, church. It's time to recognize there's nothing shameful about accepting Jesus. 
It's the greatest thing we can ever do in our entire life is to recognize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and I don't know a way out except through Jesus Christ. So if that's you, you need a Savior, you know that, throw that hand up in the air. I'm going to pray for you. God's going to touch you. Yes, sir, someone else. Lift that hand up and let me see it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Others. Others. There's a wait just a moment. All right, all, all of you that raise your hands, I want you to step out and come. Come on, there's nothing to be ashamed of. This is a day of rejoicing. It's a moment we celebrate what God is doing in our lives when men and women and boys and girls come into the kingdom of God. If you didn't, you should have raised your hand. Step out and come with these who are coming. Don't wait for anybody else. Just step out and come. Pastor Mike, Amy, Pastor Yvonne, would you all step over there and begin praying with these people and bring them right on over here. We want you right over here. We're going to celebrate with you. Come on, church. They're making a decision to step out and live life a different way. Let's celebrate with them. Ann and Cal, Pastor Chris, Daniel, right over here. I need your help, guys. Pray with these folks. Lead them to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you say, I need the power of God in my life. I need to be filled with Holy Spirit because I'm dealing with the stuff you talked about this morning. You step out and come. Tom's going to start to sing. You step out and come as God moves in the lives of those around us. As Tom sings Waymaker, one quick thing I want you to know, after you leave the sanctuary, there's going to be cake out on Main Street for Miss Mary. Please stop by and give her a hug. Let her know how much you love her. The altar is open this morning. If you need God to do something in your life, step out and come. This is your your chance, your opportunity to receive that power of the living God. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 1030, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com